This is Acts chapter 16, verse 25. The Bible said this, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, ran to the dungeon, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Amen. Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, the Israelites called the food manna, it was white like coriander seed. We're beginning a series through the month of March called It's Better Than You Think, Finding God's Purpose in Unusual Places. And I want to preach from the subject manna. 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 Father, in Jesus' name, speak now clearly and powerfully. Thank you that there is not one person here by accident, but we are here uh, by divine grace and mercy. Speak now. We are listening. And we are expecting a word from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give me a louder amen than that. Come on, can you say amen? The famed 19th century writer Charles Dickens wrote, It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Look at all y'all with your education. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was two times at once. It was two seasons at the same time. It was winter, and it was summer, and it was at the same time. I don't know if you've ever been two places at once. Um, When I was a kid, there was the four corners in New Mexico, where you could put a foot in New Mexico and a foot in Arizona and a hand in Utah and a hand in Colorado. And when you're 10, this is awesome. Or when you have the maturity level of a 10-year-old, this is awesome. And you put, and you, put you know, a hand down, a foot down. You tell your wife, take a picture. You know what I'm saying? And, and you are in four places at one time. You're, you're in many places at one time. Dr. Rick Warren said it like this, that life is not really mountains or valleys, but a two-way road. And I think a lot of you have lived there. On one road, you're going forward. God's hand is on you. God's favor is with you. You, you see the undeniable blessing and favor of God upon your life. How Could you ever complain God has been so good to you when you're moving forward? And yet on the other road is opposition and attacks and warfare and and different pressures. And it's happening at the same time. Not at different times, at the same time. It's, it's seemingly like night and day are happening at the same time. You're in, you're in two different seasons at the same time. You feel like a spiritual schizophrenic, but you know what you feel. Have you ever been there? This is where, this is where Paul and Silas are. Verse 25, they're praying and singing. They're praying and praising. They're interceding and worshiping at the same time. With one breath, they're going, God, 
I love you. You're awesome. You're mighty. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. Hallelujah. God is good. Love won't let me down. And on the other breath, they're going, Lord, but for real, don't let me down, Jesus, because I feel. And you actually feel a little bit guilty because you're going, I'm grateful, but I'm also freaking out. You're in good company because that's where Paul and Silas were. With one breath they prayed, but with another breath they praised. And I think it would have probably sounded a little confusing in the jail on that day as they were going, God, please get us out of that. We don't, we don't want to die like other men have died in prisons and chapters just a few chapters earlier. But on the other breath, they're saying, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We love you and we honor you and you're great. And it's happening at the same time. The Hebrews actually created a word for this very circumstance. The word is Hosanna. Everyone say Hosanna. Hosanna. Congratulations, you just spoke Hebrew, okay? You're very smart. <laughs> Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means two things. It means to praise God, and it also is a phrase that means to cry out to God in need of God. When you say Hosanna, you're saying, God, I worship you. And when you say Hosanna, you're saying, God, I need you. When you say Hosanna, you're saying, God, you're the miracle worker. And when you say Hosanna, you're saying, I needed a miracle yesterday. When you say Hosanna, you say, I'm thankful and I'm grateful. But when you say Hosanna, you're saying, God, if you don't come through, I don't know what to do. And you're in two seasons at the same time. You're grateful but you're gratefully freaking out, but you're trying not to freak out and you're trying to be grateful and you're trying not to just complain. So you're trying to praise God and you're in two places at two times and some of you are going, I don't want to be here anymore, but I've come to tell somebody it's not bad news, it's just real news. A lot of life is lived right here. A lot of life is not in the valley, and a lot of life is not in the mountaintop. A lot of life is moving forward by the grace and favor of God while facing devils. And the moment you can just settle that is the moment you can be grateful for right where you are. So you're no longer obsessed with the future. It's going to get better. It's going, I'm going to find a man. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. I'm going to find me a woman. I'm gonna, in 2019, I'm getting married. It's going to happen. Stop it. I'm going to make more money. I'm gonna, I just need to make more money. I just need to make more money. I just need to make more money. I just need to make. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, okay, this is the stuck up crowd. Okay, okay, okay. And you can get so obsessed with the future. Listen, you need hope, but not delusion. Hope keeps you anchored in the future. Delusion keeps you stuck in the future. I need hope, but I cannot have delusion. So maybe I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Oh, man. And, 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 and maybe I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I deserve to be because I know where I should be if it wasn't for the grace of God. So, yes, I've got goals, and yes, I've got plans, and yes, I'm moving forward. But while I'm here, I'm grateful. I think it also sets us free from the good old days. Oh, the good old days. Oh, they were so good. Maybe they were, but it's pretty good now. It wasn't much better then. I think you can get so trapped. You know, the Bible says Jesus was and is and is to come. And I think we love the Jesus who was. And I think we love the Jesus who is to come. But we're not grateful and we're not crazy about the Jesus who is. 
but you is in your is. So you better fall in love with the God who is, because that's where you is. My GED is showing. Amen. But it's where most of this, where life happens. I think it's amazing. This is Exodus chapter three. The Bible said that God told Moses, hey, Moses, take your shoes off the place you are standing. Where you are. Not where you're, not where you're going, the promised land. Not where you were, Egypt, where you are. And I don't know if you know this about Moses. Moses was a sheep herder. And I don't know if you know this about sheep, but sheep don't have designated bathrooms. I need a show on the Discovery Channel. My God, I know so much. Sheep go where they want to go when they want to go. And God said, in the mess, in the waste, in the stink, take your shoes off. Because that ground is holy. Not the golden floors of Egypt. Not the land flowing with milk and honey of Israel, but right where you are, right in the fight, right in the storm, right in your current situation. God says, if you can learn to worship me here, you'll worship me anywhere. So you might as well great, get grateful now so that you'll be grateful then. Oh, come on. Am I preaching to anybody? Go ahead and clap your hands. Because you're in holy ground. Stomp your feet. Come on, everybody stomp your feet. You're on holy ground. Your feet are on holy ground. You're right in the middle of holy ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul and Silas are in the best of times. The Bible said the apostles, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, hear me, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, after many days of prayer and fasting, anointed, Paul and Silas, to go preach. I just want you to know this was not a good idea. This was a God idea. This was not a, you know, people in Philippi need Jesus. We, we, I guess we should go. No, this was a Holy Spirit assignment. And there is a difference. So the Spirit of God spoke to the apostles. Separate Paul and Silas under the ministry. They lay their hands on them. And then the Bible says, and after they laid their hands on them, they prayed and fasted some more. It's in your Bible. And then they sent them out. Like, I think we heard from God uh, three more days. Let's, let's drink water three more days. Let's fast three more days. And then after three days, they go, yeah, no, no, we heard from the Holy Ghost. This is God. And then they send them out. And Paul and Silas are hashtag crushing it. <laughs> Killing it. Raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. Everywhere they went, they were turning cities upside down. Everywhere they went, the crowds were showing up. I mean, it was a revival. It was unbelievable. It was the best of times. Paul and Silas Evangelistic Association.com forward slash podcast. I mean, it was amazing. And one day Paul went to a young girl who had a demon and he cast the devil out of her, but that demon was giving her psychic power. And so when he cast the demon out of her, she was a slave. Her slave owners lost their money. So they had Paul and Silas arrested, preaching, healing, raising the dead, helping people, casting out demons in the will of God, in the will of God. 
smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Promotion? No. Prison. What do do I, what do I do when life doesn't play along? What do I do when I thought I was going to go this way and life has chosen to go this way? What do I do when I don't know what to do? Well, Jabin, praise God in the name of Jesus. I'll never have those situations. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, well, that's great for you. But Paul said, Romans 5, you're going to have to learn how to rejoice. Notice this, not for, in trial. Not for, in. I'm not grateful for it. I'm grateful in it. If I was grateful for it, I would have to believe God sent it. God didn't send it. But in the midst of hell coming against me, I'm going to be grateful in it. So I'm not grateful for the trial, but I refuse to lose my gratitude in the trial. Because devil, if you think you're going to steal my praise in the middle of this thing, you've got another thing coming. I know God didn't send it. I know I'm coming out of it. But while I'm in it, I'm going to praise the Lord. This is where Paul and Silas are. One preacher said it like this. Every time God closes a door, he opens another. But it's hell in the hallway. Oh, I got a, I got a microphone. Sorry, I forgot. I'm so used to my headset. Y'all ever been there? One door shuts. Hallelujah. I'm about to enter my new season. Glory to God. And then that door shut. Can you praise God in the hallway? Can you praise God in transition? Can you praise God in the middle of two seasons? Can you praise God in the middle of two moments? Can you praise God in the darkness? Can you praise God when you thought life was going to go this way, but it went that way? Because I believe if you can do that, you can do anything. And when you learn to praise God in the hallway, it deepens the root of the believer. And it confuses the enemy. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 says that the enemy attacked the army of Judah. Judah. Interesting that the enemy attacked Judah. The enemy always attacks Judah. Judah is another Hebrew word. Judah means praise. Okay, I'm going to say something that a lot of you have never heard before, but it's going to make a lot of sense. It's going to really help you get a breakthrough. The devil does not want your stuff. (laughs) He wants your response. The devil's after my money. He's got billionaires, bro. He's got plenty of them on the strip right now. He's good. He don't need your your money. He's after my car. He don't need your hoopty. He's after my car. You don't want your car. Someone broke a heel on their way in. Oh, the devil's after my shoes. He don't want your shoes. He wants what comes out of your mouth when life gets tough. And God wants what comes out of your mouth when life gets tough. 
The devil doesn't want your stuff. He wants your praise. He wants Judah. He wants your response to challenge because if the devil gets your voice, he gets everything. But if God can get your voice, I'm going to preach so somebody helps me preach. If God can get your voice, if God can get your voice, if you can speak the word and the word only, if you can learn how to speak the word of faith, Romans 10, if you can learn how to speak by the spirit of faith, if you can learn how to say what God says and not what you see, if, if, if God can get your voice, you win. But if the devil can get your voice, you lose. The devil is not after your stuff. He's not after your circumstance. He's not after your clothes. He's not after your car. He's not after your house. He's not after your air conditioning. He's not after your money. The devil is after what comes out of your mouth when you're in a hallway. But if you can learn to praise God in the hallway, it will confuse the enemy and everything begins to change. I feel like somebody wants to praise God. Someone let you do it right now. I feel like 30 people need to stand and shout and praise the Lord devil you're not getting my praise hallelujah Shaban, are you preaching this because you're going through something no I'm preaching this because I've lived this and I know there's power in it I don't preach anything I don't live I don't practice what I preach. I preach what I practice. There's a difference. This will change your life. This is all about your voice. This is all about your voice. This is all about your voice. Because our God is a speaking God and your enemy is a speaking enemy. And everything comes down to what comes out of your mouth. Woo. Okay. I'm a little fired up. I'm trying to. There's new people here, Jabin. Relax. Okay. I got to. And the Bible said that Judah began to praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Jehoshaphat was freaking out. He went to the prophet. He said, what do we do? The prophet said, drop your swords. Drop your spears. Drop your bows and arrows. Drop your shields. And pick up a trumpet. And the Bible said that they went before the enemy. And they began to praise the Lord. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good. Situation is not good. The Lord is good. Circumstance is not easy. The Lord is good. Life is not great. The Lord is good. I'm experiencing some unexpected challenges. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. You don't praise God for stuff. You praise God for who he is. <laughs> That's why these worshipers, they get up here all hucked up on caffeine, and they're trying to tell you to praise the Lord. And you feel like Weston is just going to shoot off the stage. Have you ever felt that way? It's like 3D praise. <laughs> but I love it. Because what they're actually, what Bree's trying to do, what Jenny's trying to do, what JR's trying to do, what, what Melena's trying to do, what this whole band's trying to do, is they're trying to get you to lift your eyes up. Yeah. And you go, why are you telling me to lift my hands? Why are you yelling at me? Why you got to dance like that? Why you got to sing so loud? Because for one moment, we are trying to get your eyes off of what's going on around you. And we're trying to get you to lift your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. And when you begin to worship, this isn't culture. This isn't Pentecostal culture. This isn't Jabin being a Mexican. 
This isn't us trying to be multicultural. This is supernatural. Because if the devil can get City Light to stop singing, he's got us. That's why we're never going to be a cute church. We're, if you want cute, we are not cute. Because life isn't always cute. And there's times that you're going to have to go to war with the devil. And you don't go with a sword and spear. You go with the word of God. And you go with praise on your lips. Come on, can you say amen? Clap your hands, everybody. And Paul and Silas are in prison. And history tells us that they would have been bound in chains on their hands and on their feet. They couldn't move their hands. They couldn't move their feet. If they had to use the restroom, they had to go right there. They were completely broken down, completely humiliated. Completely worn out. And I don't really know exactly how it all went, but I think Paul probably looked up at his hands hanging. Looked at Silas and said, well, we're already here. I'm already in a position to praise. I think that's why Paul could say, when men pray, lift your hands without wrath or doubt. What do I go lift my hands? Because something happens when your hands go up and you say, God, I'm not going to complain and I'm not going to be angry. And I refuse doubt, fear, and unbelief. And in the name of Jesus, I'm going to seek you in prayer. And there's something about humbling yourself. Man, I'm talking to men. Can I talk to men really? I know all the ladies are saying amen. But if I could just talk to men really quick. All y'all ladies are helping me preach. But I need, I need like 30 men. If you could hear me. There is something, man of God, about when you lift up your hands in front of your wife, in front of your children, in front of your friends. And I know you're not emotional. And I know that's what you say. And I know this isn't my personality. Interesting that your personality changes at the night's game, but I digress. There is something about when you get into God's house and you don't just... This ain't a football game with a beer in your hand. This is the house of God. And there's something about when men lift up their hands and begin to clap and begin to shout and begin to shout. Hey, my God, I'm sorry. I feel Jesus. There's something about when an army rises up and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, I need to go to London more. Jesus, what was in that water? Some of you are new. I'm, I'm usually not like, I'm usually so sweet. They're like, no, you're not Something happens, and Paul looked at Silas, and I think he said something like this. You know what, Silas, they, they bound our hands, but the power of life and death is not in our hands. Paul, they bound our feet, but the power of life and death is not in our feet. In other words, it's not in our strength. It's not in how fast we can run. It's not in how strong we can punch. It's that weak thing. You know that thing that when you bite it, you act like a three-year-old? <laughs> that weak thing. 
that has no strength, but it has supernatural power. Proverbs 18, 21. Can I remind you of the Bible that said death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, Paul said we are about to eat whatever we say, so we better be careful of what we say next. We better not complain and we better not curse God and die. I think it's time to praise. I think it's time to worship because whatever we say, we're going to have to live in tomorrow. And Rome made a huge mistake when they bound the hands and they bound the feet, but they forgot to cover the mouth. And Paul and Silas began to praise. Paul and Silas began to sing and worship. And as they do, this bass note from heaven filled the jail cell. And the Bible says an earthquake began. The Bible says the foundations begin to shake. Hebrews 12 says anything that can be shaken will be shaken. When you praise God, it shakes. Anything that is not assigned to your destiny out of your life. Hebrews 12 is not simply a judgment scripture. Don't be afraid of Hebrews 12. It is a good scripture because it means when you praise God, God can begin to shake things out of your life that don't need to be there. You begin to praise God and all of a sudden you look at your wife and you go, I think we're going to make it. You begin to praise God and something in your spirit says, by his stripes, I am healed. You begin to praise God and all of a sudden you begin to believe God's going to take care of me and he's going to provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. When you begin to praise God, everything that was impossible becomes possible because anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And when you praise God, foundations shake. Foundations, things that have been in your life forever, things that have been down your family tree, anger, divorce, bitterness, racism alcoholism, addiction, pornography, sexual lust, different things. And daddy did it, granddaddy did it, mama did it, grandmama did it, uncle did it, auntie did it. And it's been a foundation connected to your last name. But when you begin to praise God, it begins to shake everything that can be shaken. And all of a sudden you become a curse breaker in your family. And the poverty breaks, the anger breaks, the hatred breaks, the fear breaks, the sickness breaks, the cancer breaks. Why? Because it can be shaken in the presence of the Lord. And then the chains fell. And then every prison door opened. Not just Paul and Silas. The unbelievers got free too. Some of y'all living with an unbeliever. Keep praising. Go to another room. Turn on the worship of your choice. And go have a little Hyundai Shundai session. <laughs> and get to praising the Lord. If you can't Hyundai Shundai, do it in English. Praise the Lord. And start praising God. Because everything in your house begins to listen. Oh, you didn't know that, huh? You didn't know prison doors had ears, did you? You didn't know chains had ears, did you? Go, no, they don't. Sure they do. 
That's why trees had to listen to Jesus and roots had to listen to Jesus and fruit had to listen to Jesus and, and waves had to listen to Jesus and wind had to listen to Jesus and water had to listen to Jesus and storms and wind patterns had to listen to Jesus because there is a realm outside of the five senses. It's called the supernatural realm. And anytime Jesus spoke to something, it had to listen. He even said, I ain't even tripping. You don't want to praise me? I ain't even tripping. I will give vocal cords to a rock and they will worship me. I don't even need your praise. I ain't insecure about it. I'll get my worship one way or another, but I'm not going to let a rock out praise me. I don't know about you, but I'm going to make sure I give God all the glory. And when you worship, your atmosphere begins to listen. That's why it's important to play worship in your home. That's why it's important to monitor what's going on your TV. Oh, okay, it's 2019. Sorry, we're not allowed to talk about stuff like that anymore. That's all legalism now, huh? Okay. Okay, cool. Because your atmosphere is listening to what spirit you're going to release in your house. And so they begin to worship and freedom happens, but then something interesting happens. The jailer walks in and he thinks there's been a prison break. So did you read it? The Bible said he pulled out a sword to kill himself. Why does he need to kill himself? Because under Roman law, when a jailer lost his subject, he had to be put to death. But this jailer did not lose Paul and Silas alone. He would have lost dozens of men. So he knows that Rome is going to make an example of him. And he knows that not only will Rome kill him, they're going to kill his whole family. So he thinks, maybe if I kill myself in dishonor, they will have pity on my family. Never forget this about the spirit of fear. It always leads to death. You can have the right motive and still be led by a spirit of fear. Just because you want what's best he wanted what was best for his family, but he was going about it by a spirit of fear. Let me tell you what it would have happened. He would have died, and Rome still would have killed his family. Never let a spirit of fear lead you in anything, because it always leads to destruction. Parents, eventually you got to look at that 18-year-old and go, God, they're yours now. And if, and, if I keep, and if I keep hounding them, I'm only going to push them away. So Holy Ghost, get them. And he knows how to get them. And they walk into the house all guilty and condemned. Smelling like a blunt. Smelling like alcohol. And they're all ashamed because they know you know that you know that they know that you know that God knows. And you go, hey, baby, you want something to eat? Yes. <laughs> That's for, for the potheads. Cotton mouth. And you just love them. And you trust God. And you hand them their food. And you stare right in their eyes. <laughs> Dilated eyes. 
And you go, see you later. And you walk back into your room. Lord, you got to do Man, I feel the anointing. God knows what to do. Because sometimes you just got to know when to just give it to God. He's about to kill himself. And Paul says, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Let me give these to you really quickly as uh, keys come up. Number one, stop. Paul said, stop. We're Pentecostal, so we love to go. Sometimes you just got to stop. Sometimes you need to take a deep breath and say, Lord, until you speak, I don't move. Until I get a word from heaven, I stay right here. And I'm going to trust you. But I refuse to move without a word from God. Sometimes you just have to learn to stop and trust and wait. And I don't want to wait. And we don't, we don't, we don't want to be in a season of waiting. But waiting seasons are never wasted seasons. And and Kenneth Hagin used to say. I'd rather stay in the will of God late than leave it early. Number two, Paul said, don't kill yourself. The old King James says, do yourself no harm. They were in the third watch of the night. The Bible said it was at midnight and the Jewish leaders thought that the third watch, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., was the darkest moment of the day. It was the time of greatest demonic activity. It was the time of deepest darkness. It was the time when the devil was literally loose on the earth. There was a lot of tradition and a lot of uh, ghost stories about midnight and about the third watch. And in the darkest part of the night, listen, listen, in the darkest part of the night, in the darkest part of the night he was in the middle of his greatest miracle and he didn't know it maybe it's better than you think maybe it's not as dark as you assumed maybe if you could stop Put down the sword and open your eyes, you would realize you're in the middle of a miracle. He was in the middle of a miracle and could not recognize it. So the children of Israel come to Moses. Acts chapter 16, we read it and they said, Hey Moses, we want bread. We want bread and we want it now. Moses said, You do not want bread. And they said, Yes, we do. He said, No, you don't. He said, yes, we do. He said, no, you don't. That bread turns right into white sugar, turns right into fat. You do not want bread. (laughs) Have you heard of the carb belly? No, we want bread. No, 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 you don't. God has us on keto. No, you don't. No, I want, I am sick of bacon, mayonnaise, and avocado. I want some bread. I know all about keto. I've just never done it, but I know all about (laughs) keto. Looks really healthy what you guys eat, by the way. I'm like, 
80 pieces of bacon for breakfast. Okay. Who am I to judge? I had pancakes. So anyway. They <laughs> said, so we want bread. And Moses said, let me talk. Let me talk to God. So he goes to God. He says, God, they want bread. God said, no, they don't. He said, I told them. God said, they know it turns right into white sugar. turns right into fat. I told them. God said, I got them on quail. I got them on, I got them on keto. No, they want bread. God said, you won't give them bread. So the next morning they wake up and they look out. They go, Moses. We, we asked for bread, Moses. Manna. Uh, uh, Pastor Aaron, priest, we, we specifically asked for bread. Manna. Manna is a Hebrew word. It's actually a question. And manna transliterated into the English language means what is it? They were staring at the answer to their prayer and they couldn't recognize it. Because anytime you ask God for something, you want it completed. They wanted a loaf of bread. God gave them meal. They called the food manna because it was like Seed. You want a complete answer and God gives you a seed and you can't recognize it. You're praying for a table and God gives you a tree. God's never made a table. He's never made chairs and he never will. He makes trees. And he says... You do something with it. Because the tree was God honoring your faith. But when you turn that tree into a table, it's you honoring God. Some of y'all walking around with seed going, God, I need you to answer my prayer. And he's going, it's in your hand. Second Corinthians 9 says he provides seed to the sower and bread to eat and we want bread and then seed and God says no 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 it always starts with seed I'm getting into week two I gotta stop right now because that's week two that's next week God started with full form trees full form humans full form animals in Genesis and he never did it again because from that beginning came seed time and harvest and you're demanding bread and God gives you meal and he says take it home and bake it and some of y'all woke up this morning and that person was the person of your dreams on the wedding day but you woke up this morning and you said man like they looked on the wedding day. <laughs> Manna.
And you moved to Vegas on a word from God. And it started snowing last weekend. You went, manna. And you prayed for that job. But now you're driving home thinking about that boss going, God, manna. And maybe you're in a manna moment. But a manna moment is a miracle moment if you'll take the manna and work it. What if you worked on your marriage? Wow. Because we want marriages without work. We want marriages without manna. We want prosperity without manna. We want money without manna. So we come to church and we tick off our one hour a week and we say, okay, God, I did my part. Now do all of this. And God goes, manna. You want an answer to prayer? Yeah, here's some seed. Don't talk about a miracle and you don't tithe. Don't, don't, don't talk about you need a breakthrough and you don't give. Don't, don't talk about you need and you've never read, you've never cracked that Bible open on a Tuesday. <laughs> okay, this is too much. This is Vegas. This is in Dallas. Come on, Jabin, you got to know better. Okay. Gotta stop. Because maybe, just maybe God has you in a man a moment because he's going, I'm going to honor your faith by answering, but you're going to honor my answer by working it. He was in the middle of a miracle, couldn't see it. Number three, Paul said, we are all here. You're actually in the right place, prison, at the right time, midnight, with the right people. An apostolic covering. It, it felt like the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. But it was actually the right place at the right time with the right people. He just had to turn on the lights and look. And when you're going through hell, you got to learn how to turn on the light. And when you're going through a fight, you got to learn how to turn on the light of God's word and the light of God's promise and the light of worship and the light of God's house. There's something about it. And a miracle broke out. And he goes, sir, how do I get saved? Paul said, believe. Oh, and not, not, not only you, it's not, not going to end with you. It's going to hit your whole house. You and your whole household shall be saved. You know that theologians tell us that the Philippian church, like book of Philippians, Philippian church, was birthed from this moment. Most scholars believe either this man or his son was the pastor of the Philippian church. From the deepest, darkest prison to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. From suicide to my God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. From death to 
his mind be in you as it was in Christ Jesus. That he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but became man. From the lowest moment to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said, these are all in Philippians, friend. I'm talking about our favorite Bible promises were birthed in a prison. And we want promises without prisons. And we curse prison moments when they're really manna moments. I'm not talking about struggling forever. I'm just talking about when you're in a struggle, if you can just learn to do the right thing in the wrong place, the wrong place becomes the right place. Clap your hands, everybody. Praise the Lord. I got to finish. I'm done. What do I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in Jesus. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now as I finish. If there's anyone in the room today who does not know Jesus, would you place your faith in him now? Believe on him. Not on your own works, not on what you can do, not on your own righteousness. Believe on Jesus and you will be saved. Pray this prayer with me right now. Every person say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. You took my place on the cross and you rose again. Save me now. I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. In this same moment of prayer, before anyone looks up, is there anyone who just prayed that prayer? I want to ask you. I want to tell you that your life will never be the same. I want to tell you you're moving in a new direction now. I want to tell you that everything about your life will change today. Not, it's not perfect, but it's different. It makes you a new creation. Father, seal this work now in the hearts of those who just gave their life to Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. It's better than you think. It's better than you think finding God's purpose in unusual places. This series is going to change our life. And so be on the journey with me this month, okay, as we, as we dive into this thing. And boy, I'm telling you, God's got some great things for us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to God's word?